Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in San Francisco Bay. Today is Tuesday, April 10th, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 49 on the first paragraph. Today, um, instead of regarding ourselves, we're going to read for two paragraphs ending with we should have sought ourselves. And today's readers are Shannon S. on the 12 Steps, Melissa C.K. on the 12 Traditions. And reading the text is Leslie W., Sherry K.B., and John K. And our newcomer greeter at the end of the recorded hour is Melanie C. Our share ID for Monday, April 9th, the 10 a.m. meeting is 11,271, 11,271. And our share ID for this morning's meeting, 7 a.m., Tuesday, 7 a.m. is 11,273, 11,273. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain through compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Shannon S. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Shannon. Good morning, Sylvia and everyone. This is Shannon S., recovered in New York. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Shannon S. Melissa C.K., uh, if you could read the 12 traditions. Sure. Good morning, everyone. This is Melissa C.K., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, 
Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to do service. I pass. Thank you, Melissa C.K. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 49. It's the first paragraph. Instead of regarding ourselves, we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with, at the bottom of the page, we should have sought ourselves. And, I'm, and I will ask Leslie W. to read that passage and share. Thanks. Thank you so, so much. This is Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion, We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we should have sought ourselves. Okay. Starting the timer. God, please use me however you see fit. Um, <clears throat> I, I did not consider myself an agnostic or definitely not an atheist when I came into program. Um, I grew up around religion, um, was raised in the Southern Baptist Church in South Georgia, and um, took that faith on. And uh, really, <laughs> it's interesting because that when I came into the rooms, um, I was vain, but not in the sense that it's talking about here. Um, my vanity came from a place of hypocrisy and dishonesty, even though I didn't know it. I was practicing a religion, I was professing a faith, and yet I was living a double life. Um, I had a problem with God, and I was angry at God. I was too much of a chicken to admit it, so I ate, and I hid, and I felt sorry for myself, and I had all this just burning bitterness way down inside of me that was covered up by the abuse of food. And, you know, I really I really had a resentment against my church when I first came into program because I thought, oh, well, why couldn't I have gotten help for my compulsive overeating within the walls of my church? 
Why did I have to come to this Overeaters Anonymous thing? But you know what? God knew that I had prejudice. You know, he knew that the only way for me to get rid of my prejudice was to mix and mingle with people that were different from me. People that that didn't know me. There was no mask. There was no pretending. Just acceptance. I mean, it was in these rooms that I first um, learned how to be honest with myself and how to be honest with other people because I wasn't told that that what I was sharing was wrong or you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't believe that. You know, I was just given that opportunity and I am forever grateful to Vision and to Overeaters Anonymous and I am so glad that that I came into these rooms because God met me here. He did. He met me here and now I'm able to practice my faith and really mean it, really, really worship. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. And um, thank you, Leslie W. And now we're going to go ahead and we're going to share on this paragraph. And I'm going to take a list of names. John K. John K. Anyone else? Chris B. Uh, is that Chris B? Yes, ma'am. Face. Shannon S. Shannon S. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Anybody Erica T. K B. I have Sherry KB, and was there someone else in there at the same time? Erica T. Erica T. Okay, that's a good group. John K., Chris B., Shannon S., Kathleen O., Sherry KB., Erica T. John K., let's launch us, and Chris B., you'll be right behind him. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Sylvia. Uh, this is John Kierner, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. <clears throat> uh, you know, this section is was so true for me when I came into the program. I, I mean, I confused God, you know, with humans, you know, the humans who sell themselves as interpreters of God. And because it, it sort of fit my preconceived atheist agnostic notion, you know, I always look for the worst examples, you know, like the TV ministers with the high profile scandals. And, and I never looked at the immense amount of good that was being done around the world by people of faith. And, and to me, that's what really matters anyway, deeds. You know, tell me what a wonderful person your faith are, but, you know, what have you done to be a living example of it? And uh, But in those early days, I would, I mean, before program, I would even vacillate back and forth between not believing in God and then wanting to believe in God when I needed one. You know, in, in retrospect, I, I wasn't looking for higher powers, looking for Santa Claus. You know, I'd call on him when I needed to get out of the scrape or I desperately wanted something, you know. If you give me what's on my list, God, then I'll be open to the possibility you exist, you know. God. That's like God at Santa Claus, you know. And I would also van- vacillate between, you know, like those two mindsets and the intellectual snobbery that said only weak and dumb people believed in God. And since I'm way above average, uh, uh, that would be embarrassing to believe in God. Well, you know. I've since changed that. I, you know, Einstein believed in God. You know, so belief and intelligence aren't mutually exclusive, uh, nor is, for me anyway, belief and science. You know, some specific religions maybe, but I had to walk away from those. I believe in a higher power today, and I also believe in a Big Bang theory and evolution. And I don't know why God can't have a hand in all that. You know, uh, looking back though, my main reason for why I didn't think there was a God was really faulty and egotistical. I would go to my sponsor with these deep philosophical questions like, how can there be a God if there's a Holocaust? How could there be a God with all this horrible cruelty in the world? And remember, he would look at me and smile and say, well, if you understood that, you'd be God, wouldn't you? (laughs) You know, he was right. You know, in addition to wanting God to fill my little Santa Claus list, I was also saying I wanted the answers. You know, there was no God as long as that God, that higher power, wasn't willing to answer my questions, you know. You know, forget that this is a subject theologians have been wrestling with for centuries. It came down to if you don't answer John's questions to his satisfaction, then you don't exist. 
And so today, I mean, I've realized I had to lose that word why from this discussion because my puny brain only has access to a minuscule slice of the reality that I can comprehend. I'll never know the big picture. So for me, it came down to faith. Either God is or he isn't. I choose to believe today he is. And if I'm wrong, you know, what's, what's the worst thing that's happened to me? I led a more peaceful and less frustrating life, you know? And uh, that's it for me. And hey, anybody who's interested, we have an AA 12 and 12 meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 uh, Pacific. You can look on the uh, Facebook page for more information. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John K. Chris B., followed by Shannon S. Good morning, everyone. Chris B., recovered compulsive reader in St. Louis. I'm uh, grateful for you all today. I'm grateful I had a big book sponsor three years ago. Um, in the way of my best thinking, <laughs> my best thinking got me back into food, and my best thinking definitely wanted to be uh, in debate, wanted to be in drama, and in um, this reality that didn't include a higher power that gave me everything I wanted when I wanted it and, and uh, made me comfortable, made me safe <laughs> through recovery. Uh, my experience is definitely different. Um, Recovery in the beginning, following a food plan and surrendering to it was not a uh, feeling of safety. And I love this point in the book is that um, it reminds me of how intolerant I was to the world, how unaccepting I was to it, and also how closed-minded I was, really. Uh, rather vain. We're so vain. I want to sing with you guys. Uh, but I, uh, I was really stuck in this black-and-white logic-minded reality that blocked me from the peace I was looking from my obsession, for my obsession, the peace I was looking for in life. And that included me having to be right. Um, And the thing is, my my obsession will find any reason, any evidence of any belief and make it true. So true that I'm feeling it, I'm experiencing it, I'm believing it, and I'm I'm already eating, even if it's not reality. <laughs> the problems I have uh, that aren't even happening, I'm eating over, or I'm um, I'm suffering over. And I just love this side of this gray area that we're talking about here, this open-mindedness that led me to recovery, led me to peace, and included the concept of a higher power that uh, I can do business with. This concept that continually evolves, cultivating this relationship with a higher power that is saving me in this moment, in the present with you all, I still don't have all the answers, and I'm still asking to be open-minded when I think I do. And um, that's the truth. That's my truth. I don't need uh, to know how it's all going to go today to be free from harm. And there's tremendous peace in that. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for your service. Much love, much respect, and uh, welcome to the newcomer. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Crispy. Shannon S. followed by Kathleen O. Good morning. Thank you, Sylvia, for your service. Thank you, everybody, for being online and for your service. This is Shannon S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic in New York. Um, I actually just read these paragraphs with a sponsor yesterday morning, and we were discussing it. Um, and I can look back now, and when I came into the program, I thought that I had a real real strong relationship with my higher power. Um, But looking back, I really see that I was very agnostic. Um, I really was questioning um, God's power. And I really really didn't want a God per se. I wanted to be God, and I wanted God to be following my script and following behind me. And um, that just wasn't, that just wasn't happening. Um, you know, I had the vending machine God mentality. I was checking off my boxes and I was doing this and that. And why was my life the way that it was? You know, God, this isn't right. This isn't fair. You're not doing your part. So I had it totally, totally backwards. Um, and I love how it talks about it in uh, the end of that second paragraph about um, refusing or um, having the blinders on of the peace and serenity um, that, that people who practice spirituality display in their lives. Um, I was raised in, in a church. I went to religious school for pretty much all of my education. And um, like so many of us, I had a real skewed 
perception of God. It was, um, it was, God was punishing. Um, it was about following the rules and checking off the boxes. It, I never got that piece about having a relationship or a loving God. And I also equated God to my earthly father, um, who was very distant and, um, and absent and an addict himself. So that, that was my, um, that was my conception. And I couldn't understand why these quote unquote holy people were following God and doing all these things. And, and I really even thought, um, I projected my falsehoods, um, and my misconceptions on them thinking you can't really worship this God. Um, so what, what are you doing? You're pretending too. And um, there were a lot of times that I tried. I, I went to a lot of um, things at my church and tried to will myself into having this relationship with God and um, having some relief, but I was still trying to control it. And so um, it took me many, many years, even here in program, to let go absolutely. And it's a daily practice. It's daily decisions. It's daily reaffirmations of my faith. But when I'm in that place of God's repulsion, and really in that place of faith, um, it's such a powerful, freeing place to be. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Shannon S. Kathleen O., followed by Sherry KB. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone on the line. This is Kathleen O., recovered in Northern California. If you're someone who just doesn't get this God thing, I get it, and many of us on this line get it. You know, we're being asked to put aside prejudice, Actually, we're being begged to put aside prejudice. And it's difficult to admit we need a power to stop eating compulsively. But if history tells you over and over you can't stop eating once you start, we beg you to be open-minded. Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people, and these people are the ones with spiritual beliefs and practices, and sometimes use their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. You know, does believing in a higher power threaten your philosophy of life? It did It did to me at one point. You know, we become defiant when God fails to fulfill our demands. And I saw hypocrisy and bigotry and then generalized that everybody must be that way. So pointing out shortcomings of others wasn't going to help me. If you don't have anything and you don't, you know, you, you don't have to do anything you don't want to in these 12 steps. All you have to do is be willing and see what happens. And hang around on this line and listen to other people who found recovery with this cornerstone because step two is the cornerstone we build our recovery on. And, you know, you really need to do what I did. I had to stop the debating society of whether this works or not. And you don't have to figure it out. If you stay open-minded, you're going to discover how this works. There's huge benefits in finding a power greater than yourself. You're not obligated to accept any preconceived concept or anyone else's concept. You get to find your own concept. And don't complicate it. You know, it can be, this power can be energy, a metaphysical energy, you know, beyond what we can actually see. Uh, you know, living in self-will, ego, intellect, self-reliance, all that just landed me in misery. And I can't control anything or anyone any more than I can control the weather. So I beg of you, be open-minded to new ideas because belief will bring sanity. And Step two is the cornerstone we build our recovery on. We're powerless. If you weren't convinced of that, you probably wouldn't be here. And step two gives us the power to solve this problem that really does center in our mind. So reliance, not defiance, is what's going to keep us abstinent and sane. And I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen O. Sherry KB, followed by Erica T. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Uh, very grateful I recovered compulsive by reader. Thanks so much for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And, you know, I just love the shares that are on the line. Um, so grateful for it. Um, I'm going to jump in with um, the definition of prejudice, because, you know, I thought I, what I've learned uh, doing this work, uh, being in this book, is that, you know, I don't know anything and I need to keep an open mind because what I think definitions are are different than what they actually are. So here's the definition of prejudice. Opinions formed without due knowledge or examination to cause someone to judge prematurely and irrationally. 
irrational suspicion of hatred of a particular group, race, or religion. So, you know, what jumps out at me immediately is that I have formed a knowledge that I'm, I really have not examined myself personally. Like I have these ideas that I've seen in other people, but I haven't examined them myself. And so, you know, I, I, I urge you to look at, you know, what did you grow up with, um, whether it was spiritual or religious, because for me, I know that some of the experiences that I had as a kid prejudiced me against other things growing up, and then also with being taught that if I relied on anyone but myself, I was weak. Um, if um, I grew up in the South and there were a lot of people, um, I grew up in the, you know, in the the the, the Bible Belt uh, where people were trying to shove religion down my throat, and so I prejudiced. I was so prejudiced against all that <clears throat> for so many years, and then when I came into the rooms and I heard people talking about this God thing, I was like ready to not let the door hit me on the way out. And so I had all these old preconceived ideas, and they're begging me to lay aside these ideas that I had because this whole chapter is about a higher power and about finding that higher power for yourself. And I love this step too, and it, it's becoming more meaningful to me, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, greater than me. So in other words, it can't be me. It can't be my intellect. It can't be um, all these old preconceived ideas that I had. I have, to, I have to lay those aside. And throughout We Agnostics is a lot about asking to please lay my prejudices aside, you know, lay aside the old ideas, Sherry. And then also what it tells me, if I want a spiritual awakening as, a, as the result of these steps, that I want a spiritual transformation, a change in personality, which means I'm going to have to change my old ideas. And I'm, I need to let my higher power in there and do that. And that, you know, if we have a twofold illness, a mental obsession, a physical allergy of the body, well, you know, I only thought I just needed to lose weight. I didn't realize how much was between my ears that needed to change and all the prejudices that I had. And with that, I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB and Erica T. Erica, star one. Hi, this is Erica T, recovered compulsive overeater in Northern California. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I, um, I love this passage. I, I have always thought of myself as a very spiritual person. Um, I had my first encounter with God when I was a teenager, um, and. It, so I came into this program thinking this is the part that I have covered. Um, and I didn't have any problem with the talk about higher power and God. Um, what I've discovered, though, is um, I've had to face a lot of the the ideas that I've really ingrained just based on how I grew up. And I even underlined this part that says, um, you know, we choose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. And I realized that while I am a spiritual person and I do have a belief in God, it was more of an intellectual belief and not really an intimate relationship, which is what I need um, in this program. And so as I um, as I work through the steps, I over and over again, I find myself coming back to my own self-reliance and forgetting that I have a higher power. Um, and I've really struggled with this belief that my higher power is um, is here to help me with the food specifically. Um, and God does care if, um, you know, that I have the support I need to, to know what I need to eat for, to nourish my body and when to eat and how much to eat. And it's just amazing to me that God cares about my life in that much detail and that I can have that intimate of a relationship with God. And um, so that's the piece that I'm really working every day that I work my program. It just keeps coming back to that, um, is that intimate relationship with God about every detail of my life um, and um, in this program, it's specifically about food, but it just reminds me over and over again that it is in every crevice of my life. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Erica T. Okay, we're on page 49. The first paragraph, instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, we're reading for two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Arlene H. Wendy M. Eileen H. Wendy M. Arlene. Arlene, I gotcha. Thanks. Almost, yeah. Arlene and Wendy M. Anyone else? Cat T. Cat uh, T. T as in, yeah, last name T as in Thomas. Okay. Kaylee Rebecca R. T. Okay, I got Rebecca T. Did I miss someone else in there? Kaylee R. Kaylee? Yes. Okay, Kaylee R. R. Yes. Okay. I might be able to take one more. Jordan okay, L. Well, we'll, Jordan L. Yeah. Okay. We'll see if we can get you all in. Arlene H., Wendy M., Kat T., Rebecca T., Kaylee R., and Jordan L. Arlene, followed by Wendy. Hello, everyone. My name is Arlene, and I'm a compulsive overeater living in Vermont. <clears throat> I would like to start off with saying I forgive myself for being who I was, who I used to be. I know the person who I used to be would be eating compulsively right now if given the chance. And basically, I forgive myself for who I was. I am not her anymore. Thank God. I mean, thank God. Um, I was negative and cynical. So I saw negativity and cynicism Everywhere I went, I needed to change. I did change because at being at my bottom and being the um, <clears throat> 246 pounds, what I needed was a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness. I really, really needed that. I didn't really need the answers to my questions. I really didn't need my arrogance, the arrogance of my questions. I didn't need the answers. What I needed was the stability. I needed to be useful. I needed to have a purpose, which this program has given to me. And I, I had chosen to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, but now... With a degree of open-mindedness and love that I found here, now I think that my choices are given to me by God because basically the power to choose was not mine when I was eating compulsively. I had that obsession in my head, and I ran to something that would make me feel better. Instead of um, noting what the consequences might be because I was all fogged up. The food put me in a fog. So now, with a degree of open-mindedness, I've been given some purpose. I've been given direction. I've been able, thank God, for, for this uh, program to change. Changes was what I needed. But I don't blame myself for thinking the way that I had been thinking because that's what I knew. Amuse myself by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices. You know, amuse myself by saying, look at you, you're not good enough, when really I should have spent some time looking at me. And now I do spend some time looking at me and helping others. It's a, a huge change. It comes for me gradually, and I really love who I am today. I am fit, stable. I am happy, and I choose to believe that um, things are good. Life is good, and I have lost at least 45 pounds, and I'm on my way to continuing one day at a time this purposefulness and showing others that they can do it, too. You can do it, too. Time. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. 
Thank you, Arlene H. Wendy M. followed by Kat T. Uh, yes, good morning, Wendy M. Recovered gratefully in Colorado. And uh, I thank God for the entire abstinence I have this morning. Oh, and all of you on the line, Sylvia, thanks for your service today as well. Um, so what really popped out at me on this page, probably one of the first times I read it, was rather vain of us, wasn't it? Um, it was like, it was actually, when I read that, it was kind of a revolutionary moment. It was definitely a spiritual experience. It was like, I got it. I was like, oh my God, I've been vain this whole time. And I have been leaning on my human intelligence this entire time. Um, and it was really vain. Like I saw the other side. It was like God was saying, most everything that you've been thinking, not so good. Not so good, actually. Um, it, you know, we're going it, to, it's like that um, we go from common to uncommon. You know, it's that revolutionary moment. When I can say to you, I can call you and say, guess what, guys, I'm sick. It turns out my mind is really sick and it needs help, you know, and I have to lay aside prejudice. I have to do that. And, you know, and then this, uh, we used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual. Absolutely. I'm going to totally focus on you. I have no interest in focusing on myself. I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to figure out a way to blame you for my problems, for the world's problems. You know, I was in graduate school, um, and that is a wonderful place to cynically dissect um, spiritual beliefs. Uh, and, you know, hook, line, and sinker. And uh, I was the person who had opinions. And I had a jean jacket that on one side it said, I'm right. And on all the other buttons on the other side it was saying, you're wrong. You know, I had the bumper stickers. So I knew, I knew how things were supposed to go. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, spending hours amusing myself, I was just distracting myself. I didn't want to really even be here. You know, I just, I was absolutely distracting myself. Um, and and, and, and absolutely not useful. And, um, you know, and, and the person I should have been focusing on was obviously myself, you know. And so you, I, you, you know, step up to the plate, you join this program, and that's what we do. You know, we set aside what we think we know about anything. You know, that intellectual snobbery that someone else talked about, that elitism. I was all about that because I was holding on for dear life to something, because I felt I was a nothing, right? So I'm filling myself up with food and opinions about you. That was my hobby. You were my hobby and food was my hobby. That's all I did. That's what I lived for. And, um, but on an, on an up note, um, on, a, on a wonderful note, I got this. I grokked it. This made sense to me. It's rather vain of us, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Thanks for letting me share it. And uh, everyone have, have a great day. Thank you, Wendy M. Kat T. followed by Rebecca T. Um, hi, this is Kat T. in Florida. Grateful to be here. Um, what I highlighted was that many spiritually minded persons of all reasons, colors, and creeds are demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, um, which we have thought ourselves. Yeah, I feel like that explains a lot because I really lack stability happiness and usefulness follows in my disease. Um, I did come into the program spiritually minded and I did have a sense of openness, which actually I think really benefited me to coming into the room. But I had to just, I mean, set aside anything I thought I knew about food and compulsive eating and all I knew is that I couldn't stop binging. I couldn't stop binging and purging. So I thought, well, these people must know what they're doing because they're showing up every week, and I'm just going to keep showing up. And, and that's what I did for a while. Um, and I still have to trust people on a day-to-day -day basis because my disease sometimes still wants to talk to me, and I have to be pretty diligent and diligent and diligent um, about what's going on in my head um, and tell people because I still have that addict mind and 
just for today, I, I'm able to work a program around it. And, yeah, because I find my brain will want to question things, like, well, why are you doing this? Why do you have a food plan? And it's like, no, I need my food plan. I, I have to put down my alcoholic food um, in order to work the steps. And, you know, I still don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll ever fully understand God. And God seems like my relationship with God kind of evolves every day. And I mean, some days I feel really connected and other days I don't. But all I know is I can do my meditation and prayer in the morning and <clears throat> throughout the day get on my knees, pray for God's will. Um Pray God to help me be of service and think of other people. Um, that's what's been helping me lately. But I do have to talk about what's going on and do my little inventories throughout the day and, you know, kind of move on from that because I can get real caught up in self-pity, depression, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't go right away right away, but I find doing the little inventories and talking to other people really does help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I was saying, I don't understand God all the time, but I know God's there and God brought me into this program and I think God, you know, keeps us here for a reason. And it, it I mean, it's quite a miracle, um, this program. So I, I'm still, I still have to be open-minded about religion because I'll, I'll, I'll keep shutting my door on that, and I find I do benefit from organized religion and just learning from different teachers. Or, and, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kat T. Rebecca T., followed by Kaylee R. Hi, it's Rebecca, Rebecca T. from uh, Central California, um, gratefully recovered. So happy to be here with you all, wonderful people. Um, okay, so yeah, okay, the words that are popping out are vain, um, prejudice, intellect. Um, and I, I didn't know I was, I had those issues cropping up uh, way back when. But, uh, you know, as I, um, I uh, step into recovery day to day and new things are revealed. Um, you know, my, my day, my days before a higher power and before a spiritual recovery, um, even though I, th I thought I believed in God and I came from a religious background was pretty much waking up, um, doing what I thought everyone else needed helping every other single person out um, except myself, doing what I think you needed me to do to help you. Uh, then I would spend, and this was all like rushing, going as fast as I could, that I would spend at least 12 hours working. Um, uh, in between those times, I would be dipping into the, the food at various different times. To, for hunger, for coping, for anxiety, and all those things. Then I'd be crawling back home, uh, doing what I needed for the, the kids again, and, uh, you know, taking care of the job, taking care of the food, and then, you know, taking care of the husband. And then I'd be so exhausted. Um, and then in between all those things, if you weren't doing what I thought you needed to do fit into my schedule that I thought you needed for yourself, <laughs> then there would be the irritability and the, uh, you know, quick to anger or, you know, having a tone, those kind of things. Um, and then there would be the eating again because I was tired and because I deserved it and because I did a good job today and because I worked so hard for all of you people um, and then if there was someone that was altering my plan, my plan for your life, then I would reach out to God. I go, God, please help me. God, I don't understand. You know, God, can you 
please be here for me because, you know, it's not working the way I want. And that went on and on for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Um, today, I don't have to do that. Today, I wake up. I wake up on my knees. I uh, pray to God. I ask him what he wants of me today. I ask him how I can serve others. I, I look at uh I'm almost I look at my plan and uh and his will for me today and I think and I pause and I take that so slap that slow step. And with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca T. Kelly R followed by Jordan L. I have uh five minutes left, so we'll make it work. Hi, this is Kaylee, a multiple overeater from Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm super grateful to have these lines and um, to be able to call in every morning and to make so many connections with people that um, I never would have met or spoken to before without this. And um, I'm just very grateful for the recovery that's here. Uh, in regards to the reading, I just wanted to kind of share my experience with gaining a higher power um, because I know when I was a newcomer, that was the scariest part for me was coming in and hearing all these people talk about God. And I was like, I don't believe in God. I don't know what's like. I'll just do the other parts of the program. I'll just not do the God thing. And um, I got a sponsor. And the next day, and my sponsor said to me, uh, can you believe, do you believe in the universe? Like just something bigger than yourself. And to me, I, I was like, okay, I can believe in the universe. And the following day, my boyfriend died in a dirt biking accident. And all of a sudden, everything changed for me. I, I grew to believe in this higher power that to me, and I don't expect anyone to believe what I believe. And that's what the big book says we get to do is we get to form our own concept of a higher power. Like, I don't have to believe what anybody else believes for this program to work for me. Like, all I have to do is have some kind of concept of something bigger than myself. And to me, a higher power, I believe everybody has their own higher power, and my higher power has my life planned out for me. And so the way I was able to deal with my boyfriend's death was he was, that was his plan. His higher power had planned for him to die at that time, um, and there was nothing that we could do to change that. That was just the plan. So every conversation I have, I used to have a lot of regrets um, just about everything. Like I shouldn't have said this and I should have done that. And it was always these like what ifs and I should have done this and all the time. And that stopped as soon as I gained this idea of a higher power that my higher power is my life planned out. And so every time something goes wrong, I'm like, that was the plan. This is the learning experience. Um, I mean, so many things have happened to me since I've joined program um, that could, you know, make me not believe. I, I was in Las Vegas for that concert where the shooting was at. I work at the company where there was a shooting last week. Um, and my higher power has, luckily, I haven't been injured. I haven't been the concert. I had left 30 minutes before the shooting started, the shooting at my work. I happened to be in a building down the street like all these God shots or I mean, I don't know any other way to explain it, but my higher power, like having some kind of learning lesson from that and reminding me that it's there taking care of me. Um, something I read in the big book, this is a little changing topic, but something I read in uh, the OA big book by Lori C was that Dr. Young's concept was that, oh, I hear that alcoholism is a low level thirst for spirituality. And to me, that means like I've been searching for spirituality my whole life and I chose, because I couldn't find it, I filled that hole with food. And now I'm finding spirituality to fill that hole. Um, I'm just very, very grateful today. And thank you so much. I'll pass. Thank you, Keely R. Jordan L., I have two minutes for you. Thank you. Okay, cool. Can you hear me, Sylvia? Yes. Good morning. Um, my name is Jordan Now I'm a compostable eater living in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. <clears throat> um, um, so I guess just real quick, I suppose. Um, um, that line, we, 
And but that first sentence there, right? Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of all. Um, <clears throat> which I most certainly believed, and I just I I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't hit me, and it didn't hit me, and it didn't hit me. Um, until uh, that last chapter we read and more about alcoholism. Like if I'm reading that, ch that chapter carefully, I figure out that I'm insane, <laughs> that I'm like absolutely nuts. So when it comes to food, of course, um, I may be in other respects as well, but what that chapter is teaching me is that I'm crazy when it comes to food, that I will pick up um, after, after, having put, after having put my alcoholic foods down for a time, I will pick up stone cold sober. I will pick up with an absolutely clear mind um, and not be able to bring into consciousness like all of the mental and suffering, all of the mental and physical suffering that goes along with that. <clears throat> so I'm crazy. Um, and then I'm like putting my human intelligence as the alpha and omega, the beginning and end of, the, end of it all, that same intelligence that picks up um, absolutely stone cold sober, stone cold abstinent. I pick up. Um, <clears throat> so when I got to this, like it hit me like a ton of bricks, but it's like I, I have to learn to depend on something else besides my own thinking. I have to. I have no choice. I will not, I, I will not, uh, I, I won't be able to go any further. I won't be able to, I'll keep. I'll keep going in this vicious cycle of, of picking up and putting down and picking up and going on a spree and putting down. Um, so I have to learn to believe in something else besides my intelligence. Thanks so so much for letting me share, Sylvia. I pass. Thank you, Jordanelle. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to Team uh, Tuesday. We're now going to close from the reading on the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And then stick around. We'll greet newcomers. We'll Sherry KB. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only in little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. But the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.